0: The homilies or sermons contained in these podcasts were delivered by Deacon Joe Dietz, a permanent deacon serving at St. Edward Catholic Church in Ashland, Ohio, a parish of the Diocese of Cleveland. Each homily is preceded by a reading of the Gospel of the Day. While these homilies are the same in content as those preached. They have been recreated to improve the sound quality of the podcast. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. Amen, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or the smallest part of a letter will pass from the law until all things have taken place. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever obeys and teaches these commandments will be called greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to your ancestors, You shall not kill, and whoever kills will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment, and whoever says to his brother Raka will be answerable to the Sanhedrin. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to fiery Gehenna. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there recall that your brother has anything against you, leave your gift there at the altar. Go first and be reconciled with your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Settle with your opponent quickly while on the way to court, otherwise your opponent will hand you over to the judge, and the judge will hand you over to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Amen, I say to you. You will not be released until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than to have your whole body thrown into Gehenna. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than to have your whole body go into Gehenna. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a bill of divorce. But I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, unless the marriage is unlawful, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to your ancestors, do not take a false oath, but make good to the Lord all that you vow. But I say to you, Do not swear at all, not by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head, for you cannot make a single hair white or black. Let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no. Anything more is from the evil one. The Gospel of the Lord. Prior to the beginning of this homily, three chairs labeled one, two, and three were brought out into the front of the congregation and placed there. The opening reading from the book of Sirach says quite simply, if you choose, you can keep the commandments. They will save you. If you trust in God, you too shall live. It makes keeping the commandments appear as a simple choice, like, what am I going to have for breakfast? I choose to keep the commandments today, and no temptation or peer pressure or human weakness shall deter me from my decision. If only it were that easy. And as if keeping the Ten Commandments wasn't challenging enough, Jesus in today's gospel raises the bar in a way that must have sounded quite challenging to the hearers of his words. Not only is he not going to eliminate or soften the commandments in the law, He is going to enhance them, because, after all, the scribes and Pharisees, who were zealous keepers of the law, he says their righteousness was insufficient to enter the kingdom of heaven. Not only are we to avoid murder, but now also anger, ridicule, and unforgiveness. Not only are we to avoid adultery, but now also lust in thought, word, and action. And just to emphasize how important these new commandments are, Jesus underscores their significance by suggesting it would be better to lose an eye or a hand than to have them cause us to sin in this way and end up in hell. But today, I would suggest these and the other enhanced commandments, including the turn the other cheek and love your enemy directions that follow this passage, while they may seem quite difficult, aren't really meant for everyone here on this day at this time. They should be a major concern only for some and not for all. I say this because Jesus, in giving this new instruction, knew something that those that heard his words did not know. He knew that while the demands of his new teaching would be greater than the old, he also knew that the relationship between God and man was about to dramatically change. You see, Jesus knew that his passion, death, and resurrection was going to overcome the separation between God and man, opening the door to a personal, life-changing relationship between Jesus and each and every one of his followers. And he also knew that he was going to send the Holy Spirit to empower his church and its members to be better than they ever could be on their own. But how does that limit the application of this teaching to a select group, you might ask? Let me illustrate with the use of these three chairs you've been wondering about. They are numbered one through three, just so we can distinguish one from the other. Take a moment and imagine yourself sitting in one of them. Just pick one of the three and see yourself sitting in it. These chairs represent three different places that churched people might find themselves today. They are broad categories, as you will see, but I think they will help me to make my point. Let me say in advance, there is no judgment here. Only you will decide, after I have described the three groups, where you think you are sitting. This first chair represents the folks, hopefully many, that have a fully alive and active relationship with God, Father, Son, and Spirit. They love God, and they see their relationship with God as the most important part of their lives. They pray early, and they pray often, and they look forward to that communication with God, which includes not only petition and intercession, but thanksgiving and praise as well. They value the sacramental life of the Church and look forward to the celebration of the Eucharist not only on Sunday, but whenever they are able to attend. They regularly examine their consciences and are aware of their sinfulness, and when they sin, they experience the separation from God that sin creates and quickly repent, so as to remove that separation, and to this end, they regularly take advantage of the sacrament of confession they have a sense of God's individual love and care for them, and they seek the Holy Spirit as an active participant in their lives. They respect and follow church teachings and work to love God and neighbor, drawing on God's grace to empower them to do so to the best of their ability. While they live and work in this world, their focus is not on worldly achievement, but looks ahead to the world to come. And while they experience stress and anxiety from time to time, They surrender it to God and trust in Him to take care of their needs. They gladly speak of and share their faith with others. The second chair represents those of us who are still working toward chair one. They are here in church for any number of reasons and have different feelings about it. Some are here because they feel like they have an obligation. And while they feel good for having come, they struggle to get here and often wish they were somewhere else. Others, while they want to be here, are distracted by the worries of the world and feel distant from God. They are not sure he hears them. They are unengaged in their prayer, and in some cases, they are just plain bored. Many of these folks attend simply out of habit. They do not feel they have a personal relationship with God. They believe they are reasonably good people, but they decide for themselves what commandments and rules to keep and which ones are outdated and no longer apply to them or this modern society. For many of the people in this chair, God has a place in their life, but it is a small place, a confined place, a place they keep God until they need him, but not a place of influence that impacts their daily decision-making in a meaningful way. When some of these folks pray, they often recite the words without connecting to the meaning and often only pray before they eat or in time of significant need. The primary difference between this chair and the folks in chair one is that these folks know of God, but have not known God in an up-close and personal way. They have not experienced His intimate, loving, merciful, caring presence firsthand. In some cases, they have had an experience of God, but over time have lost touch and fallen away from it. The folks in the third chair, most likely the smallest group here, these are the people who don't really know much about God at all. They may have come in today in search of something, but they aren't sure what it is. They may be here without any interest, but simply to keep peace in the family. They may be angry at God, feel separated from God, or may even doubt that God exists. Whichever chair you see yourself sitting in, We are glad you are here. But my point is that Jesus' challenging teaching in today's gospel is really directed at the folks sitting in chair number one. They are the ones who are hopefully operating in the power of God, the Holy Spirit, and are best able to overcome their human weaknesses and temptations through God's assistance and live the life that Jesus is calling them to. For the people in chairs two and three, While obviously it is good for them to avoid anger, lust, and the rest, their main concern should not be avoiding anger and lust on their own power, but seeking that personal relationship with God that will change and empower their lives so they can live the way of Jesus in the power of Jesus. Simply put, they want to move from chair two and three to chair one. Now, of course, as it says in Sirach, this move involves a choice. We all have a choice, and it is a choice we can make every day based on what we truly believe about God and about ourselves. If we truly believe God is God, immense in wisdom, mighty in power and all-seeing, would we not, in the words of the psalm, want to observe his decrees and seek him with all our hearts? Would we not want to seek God's wisdom As Paul described, not a wisdom of this age spread by the rulers of this age that are passing away, but a wisdom of the ages which God predetermined before the ages for our glory. The good news is that once we make that choice, God rushes to meet us as the loving Father that He is, wanting to draw us close and reveal to us through the Spirit what God has prepared for those who love him. Now as Catholics, we publicly proclaim our faith in God through our attendance at Mass and specifically through our recitation of the Creed and our participation in the Eucharist. But for some of those in seats 2 and 3, the recitation of the Creed and the reception of Communion can become an unengaged, repeated action devoid of meaning because it is missing that personal connection That brings life to our professed words of faith and appreciation and reverence for the truly present body and blood of Jesus in the Eucharist. Now as I conclude and we prepare to profess our faith and receive communion, I would like to give everyone here who wants to a chance to turn to God and ask him into our lives in a deeper and more powerful way. Of course, as I said, this must be truly an act of free will, a prayer from the heart to invite Jesus into our hearts, to change our hearts. So, for those of you who wish, I invite you right now to repeat this prayer after me quietly to yourself. No pressure. If you are not ready or not interested in doing so, I simply ask that you say a prayer for those who are. Lord Jesus. I ask you right now to come into my life in a personal and powerful way as my Lord and Savior. I repent of my sinfulness. I am sorry for the ways I have separated myself from you. And I ask you to wash the garbage out of my life and forgive my sin. Please send your Holy Spirit into my life and empower me to live my life according to your will for me. Help me to profess my faith with sincerity and zeal, and fully appreciate the awesome gift of your body and blood in the Eucharist. In all that I do, help me to grow closer to you and the Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. For questions or comments on this homily, write to DeaconJoe2017 at gmail.com.